Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beerlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kempak's sat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's time for another episode of Trek Talk, and I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And we've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. Um, I hope you guys, you guys hear me fine now. Did I get that issue fixed? Yeah, sounds perfect. Okay, good, good. We're uh, trying out our new equipment that we're going to be using at the Star Trek 55-year mission in Las Vegas, and this is the first podcast where I'm using this new equipment, and we were testing it before the show, and we had a pretty nasty feedback, but I guess it's gone now. You guys can hear me. Sounds good, Jim. Excellent. So, anyways, we've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about Star Trek First Contact. So you want to get us on speed dial, 646-668-2433 is our number here. And you want to put that in speed dial because next week we have a great, and I mean great, show planned for you guys. Jeremy Roberts, who played Mr. Dimitri Valtain in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and reprised his role in Star Trek Voyager's 25th anniversary special, Flashback, will be with us live to take your questions and talk about working on Star Trek VI and Star Trek Voyager. But wait, there's more. We also have some copies of the new Season 3 Star Trek Discovery to um, give away to you guys. Absolutely free, but you have to call to win. So make sure you put our number on your speed dial, 646-668-2433. You can talk to Jeremy Roberts and win a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on DVD. And I just want to give you some information about that. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is coming to Blu-ray and DVD and limited edition Steelbook. The must-have collector's features all 13 episodes and also includes over two hours of special features, including deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes featurettes, cast interviews, and a gag reel. Own Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Blu-ray and DVD now from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment. And uh, you can win it right here from us at Trek Talking. All you have to do is call 646-668-2433 next Thursday, 7.30 p.m. You can win a copy and you can talk to Jeremy Roberts. It's a win-win situation all the way around. Um, So the way we like to start off our show each week is... um, I like to introduce you to my wonderful Trek experts, and we'll start out with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? 
I am doing very well. It is a sunny, breezy day here in Portland. Uh, if you sometimes hear a lawnmower in the background, it's because I absolutely have to have my window open and the neighbor is mowing right now. So, <laughs> but we are excited to talk about this movie tonight. I have some unique perspectives that I may not have offered up in the past. So here we go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas a city that I'm going to be visiting for the first time very, very shortly. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I had a pleasant day today. It only got to about 104. Due to the monsoons, we've gotten a little bit of a cooler weather. Not much, but a little. Wow. How do you do it, Charles? How do you do it? I'm looking forward to being there. Uh, lots of air conditioning, <laughs> lots of air conditioning, and you don't really get bothered by it until it hits at least 105. Yeah, yeah. It's just a different calibration, right? Exactly. So, guys, as I said, we're going to be talking about Star Trek First Contact tonight, so if you want to stay tuned for that. Uh, but we also have some Star Trek news for you. Miko strikes back with new Star Trek figures. Is Star Trek the animated series really considered canon? And a new Star Trek card novel called Second Half fills in the gaps. We also have Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, and around-the-globe numbers. And speaking of around-the-globe numbers, Eric, why don't you start us off? Well, we love recognizing our international listeners, uh, and in our number one spot for our international listeners, we have once again the UK with 6.54% of our listeners. So that is a pretty hefty chunk there. So thank you, folks in the UK. Uh, your support just means so much to us, and you've been at the top of our list for so long. We just really appreciate it. In our number two spot, Almost to six with 5.96% of our listeners. We have Canada. That's right. Our brothers and sisters to the north sort of fell off the map there for a little bit, but man, they have been coming back strong lately. Uh, perhaps it is uh, people who know all about Jam Chris. Not sure. Uh, could be some support there. Could be support elsewhere. Thank you, folks in Canada, for listening to us. In that number three spot, we have Australia with 4.27% of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. In that number four spot, Ireland with 1.85% of our listeners. And bringing up the top five, we still have Norway up there. They have been there for a very long time as well with 1.75% of our listeners. Thank you to every single one of our listeners, whether you're here in the U.S. with us or you are abroad. Um, we couldn't do it without you. We really, really couldn't do it without you. That's right. We appreciate each and every single one of you guys, no matter where you're listening from. Thank you so much. And not only do we like to go by region, but we like to go by cities as well. So every week we compile our top 10 cities based on our listeners. And uh, Charles, why don't you start us off with our cities? Well, not only do we have our top 10, but we have a few select cities of our crew and fans. Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, near Shannon, actually, actually went down. Went from 37, now in 33rd place. Portland, Oregon was 23rd last week, dropped to 25th this week. Uh, Eric lost a couple of, couple of listeners. 
Come on, Portland, you can do it. Las Vegas, I'm surprised, went from 19 glasses back down to 16 this week. Couple more, couple more listeners. In our top 10, our fight continues. Our Aussies keep working their way down to get with the rest of the Aussies. Brazil, San Paulo, Brazil is still at 10. San Antonio, Texas is still at 9. But this week, Chicago, Illinois is now 8. They were 7th last week. Why are they now 8? Because Brisbane, Queens, Australia is still moving that, moving up the list. They were 8 last week. They are 7th this week. They're trying to catch up the rest of the Australia. And, of course, the rest of the list, they're going to probably play Trump over Toronto, Ontario, Canada next week. Then we got Los Angeles, California, home of Andy Bray and the fleet. Melbourne, Victorian, Australia is fourth. Sydney, New South Wales, Australia is third. London, UK is second. And New York City is first. Wow, and and New York, New York City is probably the closest to where I'm broadcasting from up here in Rutland, Vermont. New York is pretty much it's pretty close to me, so I would have to say that uh, New York City represent. So um, we also like to do individual fan shoutouts to all of you guys that listen around the globe, and to do that, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Trek Talking and Beyond, and at the top of the page you'll see a post that has to live long and prosper. And all you need to do is go there and tell us where you're from. Every week, I pick 15 lucky people. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has picked your name, and you're going to be mentioned in a fan shout-out. And you can join our 56,769 followers that we have on our Facebook page. So please, Let's see if we can get up to 57, 58, maybe. I, actually, I know that we can. So, for our individual fan shout-outs, Eric, why don't you get us started? Uh, we have some really cool locations I'm, I'm so excited about this week. Uh, top fan Michael Langdon says hello to us from the Sunshine Coast of Queensland, Australia. Uh, those folks who are right up there in our top ten, Michael Langdon. Leading the charge, top fan interacting with us like crazy on our Facebook page. So thank you so much, Michael. Uh, it's fans like you that make it all worth it for us, really. Uh, Andreas Feck. This one is one of my favorites. He starts with Earth, Europe, Germany, Northrenshire, Westfalen, and Rechleichhausen. So Andreas, thank you for being very specific because, you know, if you don't start on the right planet, uh, who knows if we're getting the right guy? So <laughs> thank you for listening to us, Andrea Speck. Uh, we're saying hello this week to Jim Hutchinson from Fife, Scotland, about 30 miles from where Scotty will be born. And then he gives us a little Scottish flag there. So thank you, Jim. Uh, great to hear from you. Joe Ritchie from Darlington in County Durham in the UK. That's right. Uh, our number one international listener Joe Ritchie hailing from there. So hello to you, and thanks for listening to us. And last in my list is Barbara Dietrich 
from Iwa Beach in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha to you, Barbara. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, you know, we're fairly close. Five and a half hour plane ride, not so far. And uh, your state is absolutely beautiful. Thank you for listening to us. Charles, who is on your list today? Let's start off with Christina Radu from Athens, Greece. She's a top fan. Ruth Mall from Allentown, Pennsylvania in the United States. Ted Mario Puzzi from Clearwater, Florida. Carla Happy Warner from Nevada, USA. I wonder which part of Nevada since it's a big state. And Max Kendi from Newcastle, UK. And where's Jim coming from? Well, I've got a couple of fan shout-outs myself. We would like to say hello and thank you to Stephen McClucky from Glasgow, Scotland, where my grandmother came from. Actually, i got to tell you guys that my fan shout-outs are actually from last week because last week we had a very terrible uh, technical difficulty, and I didn't get to do my fan shout-out. So these, these guys are from last week. I apologize for that. We'd like to say hello to... Philip O'Dwyer from Dublin, Ireland, where my grandfather came from. Yes, my grandmother's Scottish and my grandfather's Irish. That makes me, yeah, that makes me me. <laughs> We'd also like to say <laughs> hello and thank you so much to top fan Zeb Gibson from Kentucky, USA, which actually I believe Shannon is from Kentucky, correct? Mm-hmm, that think. is true. Yeah. I remember her saying that she was from Kentucky, so represent, represent. And here's one of our top cities right here. We'd like to say hello, thank you, and kapla to Roland Owens from New York City. That's right, New York City. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being our top city. And last but not least, we'd like to say hello, thank you, and live long and prosper to Mario Maggi from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Thank you for listening, guys. We appreciate each and every single one of you guys. We would never think of doing the show without you guys. So thank you so, so much. And uh, this is the part of the show where we do our birthdays. And um, there, we always do Star Trek birthdays. But this week, this week, we have a special birthday. This week, we'd like to say happy birthday to our very own Eric. Eric has been with us for how long? Eric, it seems like an eternity, but... Uh, at um, least three and a half years. Three and a half years Eric has been around. With us, and um, So I couldn't do the show without you guys because there is no I in team, and you guys are part of the team. And without you guys, I couldn't do the show. So I want to say thank you so much to Eric for everything that he does for the show, for singing our awesome theme song, uh, to doing our commercials and everything else that you could do for us. Thank you so much, Eric. Happy birthday. And that means that we have to play. I got to get the right song. Yeah, this one here. We want to play happy birthday to Eric from Weird Al Yankovic himself. There's an Arab on the corner buying everything inside. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth to feed. Seems that everywhere you look today, there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun. But that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. 
happy birthday, Eric. We, we hope you had a great day, yeah. and we're looking forward to many, many more. Happy uh, birthday, Eric. Thank you guys so much. I had a great birthday, and it's great to be part of the Trek Talking team. I appreciate every single Thursday we get together and hang out and just geek out on the things we love. So <laughs> thanks for that song. <laughs> and we and we do we do love it. And um, I, I wanted to mention um, at the top of the show, but he wasn't with us. We have David is going to be joining us. And I believe, I think David's on the line right now. Correct, Charles? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think he's on. I see, I see a number I don't recognize on my board, which I believe might be David. And so before we get into our birthdays, I want to jump in here and uh, introduce him. And actually, you know what? I'm going to let, um, I'm going to let, uh, yeah, I am. Oh. I'm going to jump in right now. We have some time right now. I'm going to let Charles introduce um, David and tell us a little bit about David and an offer that David has to make for you guys, our listeners. So, uh, Charles, take it away. Well, go ahead and bring him on. All right. Hey, David, can you hear us now? David, are you there? David? Can you hear me now? Calling David. David? Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. There we go. He's here. How's, it, how's everybody doing today? We're doing really good. How are you doing? <laughs> Great. Eric, happy birthday. Thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just so fun to be able to celebrate with so many people. Right? So uh, thank you guys for, for allowing me on onto your show. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. That's that's what Trek Talking is about. We're fans helping fans, so you're welcome. Well, this is David McCl- uh, McClinton, his pronunciation. Yes. He is the captain of the USS Windrunner. The Windrunner is a brand-new Star Trek club and costume-slash-cosplay group. So we're also a community service group. So occasionally we actually do community service where we're actually in uniform if it's not too hot and look like okay. a first Trek ship. And we actually are a small fleet, a small group of the ship in a larger fleet. Excellent. And what kind of stuff, what kind of events do you guys do, uh, David? We honestly, um, we actually run the gambit, man. Uh, in Las Vegas, we are literally doing uh, food drives. Uh, we help out at the community garden, which actually serves as our, uh, our space station. And uh, right now we are trying to partner with the uh, Atomic Testing Museum uh, here in Nevada to actually do uh, some astronomy and probably some science stuff. Wow, you, you pretty much do it all. We 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 are a very active group. 
uh, I have about, I'll say, 20 core members at the time currently, and we're all about service and charity work and volunteering. In fact, this Saturday, uh, my science team will be heading out to Lake Mead to do a cleanup. Wow. Actually, what we're doing is we're actually going to do some of the plants and going through and pulling seeds so they can replant new plants. Nice. We'll split out new plants in there. That's nice. Our team is looking forward to Saturday. Wow. And uh, are you guys planning on attending the Star Trek 55-year mission in Las Vegas? Of course. We're advertising it. Wow, what a coincidence because Trek Talking is going to be there as well. Right, I heard that. You know, um, yeah. it's a very funny story. It's true. So, so we, um, we had an article in a local, uh, on a local TV station, and they put it on their website. And then Creation Entertainment contacted us and was like, yeah, we'd like to partner with us to, um, uh, to promote the convention. And I was like, sure, yeah, of course you are. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we're in. And um, so we went to a dinner uh, with the USS Las Vegas, uh, and then they announced that Creation had contacted them. And then Charles said, yeah, they contacted us too. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, okay. For, for a quick minute, they went one and thought we were special and unique. But then we quickly found out that no, 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 no. Creation was talking to everybody, which is great. Um, I love it. That means that we're all in this together. So, yeah, we're going to be there. And if you guys don't mind, I would love to give away two tickets on General Mission to some of your local fans. And Las Vegas is in our top cities, which is pretty cool. So how would you like to do this, David? All right. So um, Charles had asked me to watch First Contact, to rewatch First Contact. So um, guess I would want to ask, and just a simple general question. And the first person who can actually answer it uh, will get the tickets. When did the Enterprise arrive back in time? Wow, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I know that one. Good question. All right. Well, guys, you still, you have a lot of time to get the answer. Our phone number here is 646-62433. If you're listening now live in Las Vegas, uh, quick, put on the DVD, get that answer, give us a call, and uh, David will give you a pair of tickets to the convention. And while you're there, you can mosey on over to the Trek Talking Table, say hello to yours truly, Uncle Jim, and you can meet the one and only Leslie Hoffman and uh, maybe get an autograph from Leslie while you're there as well. So, Look that up, get the date, get the information, give us a call, 646-668-2433, 
and David will hook you up with a pair of weekend tickets to Star Trek 55-year mission in Las Vegas. How does that sound? What an awesome, awesome that opportunity so for you guys. Cool. Wow. So uh, before we, we cut to our first commercial break, I want to ask you guys, did the echo go away? I think I found the problem. Can you hear me you, clear? You sound 100% no, awesome, Jim. All right. I found the problem, which is great. That means when we go to Ooh. Las Vegas, we, we won't have that problem. That's why I wanted to test it out tonight. So that's good. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take our very first commercial break of the night. We're going to hear a song, a little ditty from an old friend of mine. And when we come back, we're going to do our Star Trek birthdays. We just wished happy birthday to our very own Eric. If you'd like to give us a call, 646-668-2433, you can wish Eric a happy birthday live on the air in person. But right now, we'll be right back after we hear this little ditty from Eric himself. It's been a long road, getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but your time is finally here. You can feel the change in your thoughts right now. Nothing's in your way, and they're not gonna hold you down no more. No, they're not gonna hold you down. Cause we've got faith, not your call. We wanna hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe in just talking today. You've got faith in your fingers. All you gotta do is sound down. You can reach us right now. We've got faith. We've got faith. Faith that you call. Six four six 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 eight two four three three. The only thing we forgot was the, well, was the phone number. It's funny. We really thought about ways to fit that in, but it's really hard to fit that into that tune. So yeah, yeah. You know, next time we remake that song, we'll put the we'll put the number in. Yeah, it, it works. It works. But you know what? Our new theme song works even better. And by the way, guys, uh, I want to say thank you to Eric for recording that theme song for us. I had a lot of fun writing it, but I also had a lot of fun putting it on video. And if you guys go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, you can see the video that I put together for that song that Eric did. I think it came out pretty good. I kind of like it. It's a fast beat, up-tempo song, so it moves along at a pretty good pace. Uh, have some fun seeing if you can catch all the characters and episodes as they fly by. Please check that out and leave a comment. Tell me what you thought about it. Trek Talking and Beyond at Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a follow. And tell us where you're from so we can get you mentioned in a future fan shout-out. I also want to apologize. I was hoping to get David on at the top of the show so that you guys would have the whole show to give us a call. And so I had to squeeze him in uh, in the middle of the birthday. So that's why we had to shuffle the show. But it's live, and that happened. So without any further ado, we're back on schedule. That means we're going to do the rest of our ever-important Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, he says that every week. We don't care. We like it anyways. And we always start off our birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. 
And for that, we turn to the birthday boy himself, Eric. Yeah, people who share birthdays this week with me, uh, who have gone before us and are no longer with us. Uh, actor Edward Wiley, uh, one of the many actors who has played multiple uh, races in Star Trek. We've got a Klingon, uh, Governor Vogg from TNG's Mind's Eye, and a Cardassian, Gull Torin from DS9's Profit and Loss. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to Edward Wiley. We're also saying happy birthday to Ron Glass. Um, we know him from our Star Trek world as the character Loken in Voyager's Nightingale. Um, he probably is more well-known to most sci-fi geeks as the character Book from uh, Firefly, which, uh, of course, is that fantastic one-season uh, pseudo-space cowboy, and he is the shepherd, uh, the religious man on board, um, who gives Mal a run for his money. So happy birthday to Ron Glass. We do miss him. We're saying happy birthday this week to Lisa Baines. She played Dr. Renthal in DS9's Equilibrium, a trill, uh, and an actress uh, whose face you would recognize from other things, I believe. So happy birthday to Lisa. We're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Keith Andes, who played the character Akuta in TOS's episode, The Apple, that is... Uh, one of those kind of orange-faced uh, aliens from that planet. Uh, definitely, uh, you see that and you're like, wow, that's definitely TOS. Uh, just, just screams TOS. Uh, and cool episode. So uh, happy birthday to Keith Andes. We're saying happy birthday to Frank Corsentino, uh, who is one of the Ferengi guys. He plays so many different Ferengi. He plays Damon Bach uh, from the TNG episode The Battle. He plays Damon Tog from the TNG episode uh, Menage Troy. And he plays Gegas from the Voyager episode Inside Man. Three different Frankies, same actor. Uh, totally cool. So uh, he is definitely missed in the Star Trek world, Frank Corsentino. Happy birthday to Ken Lynch, uh, who played the character Vandenberg in the TOS episode Devil in the Dark. Uh, I love that episode. I just... I just, it's one of my favorite TOS episodes. Um, it just kind of sets, oh, I don't want to get into it, but uh, Ken Lynch uh, played a character, uh, the chief engineer um, from the place that was kind of doing all the mining underground there. Uh, so happy birthday to Ken Lynch. We're saying happy birthday to Tom Troop, who played Lieutenant Harold in the TOS episode Arena, which I know is uh, one of Jim's favorites. He likes that song in particular. Um, poor Harold died. <laughs> Lieutenant Harold was just one of those ones that died. So, uh, happy birthday to Tim Troop. Uh, we're saying happy birthday to Peter Duria, who played Jose Tyler in the TOS episode, The Cage. Uh, you absolutely would recognize this kid. He has the red hair, uh, and the g- kind of TOS green uniform, uh, and his name Jose. I love it. Uh, that is what Star Trek is all about. So, happy birthday and remembrances going out to Peter uh, Duria. And then uh, last on our remembrance list this week is uh, a titan of TOS producing uh, Robert Justman would have had a birthday this week. Um, you know, interesting trivia about him. He, he's known for so many things in the Star Trek world. Um, what most people don't know is that he actually was the original pick to become the associate producer on uh, The Cage way back when Star Trek was first getting started. Um, But he didn't 
he actually didn't take the job. Um, he felt like he didn't have enough post-production knowledge uh, and he just like wasn't up to the task. And so he recommended Byron Haskin for the job uh, who eventually got the job. So uh, he of course would eventually come into the Star Trek world, but he was right there uh, buddy, buddy with Roddenberry from the beginning. So happy birthday to Robert Justman. Uh, and also, is, Eric, yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe that when Roddenberry stepped down in season three of TOS, I believe Robert Justman stepped in and pretty much ran the show for all of the third season. If I'm, if I remember my TOS history correctly. Yeah, um, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, and he did, and he did so many other things. I mean, he did like directing and, you know, hired people and I don't know, just a lot of stuff. He was, He's one of those guys that you see in the documentaries when you watch your uh, Star Trek documentaries. And, of course, back to the arena, I'm really excited about going to the Star Trek 55-year mission because the Gorn himself is going to be there, and I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> awesome. So I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> about that, actually. I'm going to see if we can get him to come on this podcast, maybe, when I talk to him. So that'd be pretty cool. And believe it or not, you still with us, David? I'm still here, man. Excellent. Well, because we just had a caller show up on the line, and I'm going to answer this call. This might be somebody calling to win your tickets. Let's see. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk, and what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, It's Nate from Vegas. It's Nate from Vegas. Well, there you have it. We got our Vegas caller. Am I eligible eligible for the tickets? Well, you're, you're, you're from Vegas. You're eligible. <laughs> All right, I'm eligible for the tickets. Wow. So awesome. what was the question again? So I want to make sure I got this right. When did the Enterprise, in first contact, when did the Enterprise arrive back in time? Uh, 2063 was the year. Uh, April 4th through the 5th. Okay. Ding, ding, That's ding, a winner ding, right ding, there. Ding, ding, ding. ding, ding. We the have a winner. Right. Well done, Nate. I need you to do... I need you to send me two emails. Take down both of these email addresses. You need me to send you emails? Okay. Yeah. Just send me an email with all your information or where I can mail your tickets to. Uh, well, but, you know... Uh, or... Or if you're going to be at War Room on uh, Friday, uh, I don't know how often you plan to go to War Room. Uh, I could get them there, too. But, uh, yeah, I can email you uh, the information if that's easier. Yeah, just for um, full transparency and with my group, just make yep. sure that, they know that I'm not trying to slip a friend some tickets. Yep, cool. Sounds good. Um, send an email to contact at USSWindrunner dot com and then also send an email to USSWinWinner at gmail dot com. So at uh, winrunner at gmail and winrunner at where? Okay, it's winrunner at gmail dot com and then mm-hmm. contact at winrunner dot com. Oh, I, I said it right. Contact right. at USSWinRunner dot com. Right. And then, and then windrunner at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Okay. Yep. And 
runner at gmail. Sure. And congratulations, Nate. So you can stop nice. by the truck talking table and you can meet yours truly, Uncle Jim. Isn't yeah, that exciting. We that get a great. We could get a picture taken together. You, me, and Charles. <laughs> we could. We could. Yeah. yeah. We, we can get that up on our Facebook page. We've we've talked many times, but we've never met. That's about to change. Yeah, That's that awesome. is. That is awesome. So again, I want to re-verify. It's contact at ussswindrunner.com. And then the second one is windrunner at gmail.com. Correct. All right. Thank you. Congratulations. All right. Well, that's good. we're, we're, We're giving stuff away left and right, guys. You can also, don't forget, you can win a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on DVD next week. All you have to do, call 646-668-2433, and you can talk to Jeremy Roberts from Star Trek 6 and from Star Trek Voyager Flashback and win a copy of Discovery Season 3. So it's pretty easy. Just give us a call next week, and you can win. All right. Are those, well, let's Jim, get back are to those our Blu-rays? Um, are those, I, think they're, yeah. I think they're Steelbook, if I, if I remember correctly. I okay. think they're the Collector Steelbook edition. Okay. Okay. Blu-rays, yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't received them yet, but I received the email from them today that they're sending them out. I'm not sure if they're the if they're DVDs, Blu-rays, or Steelbook because the um, the the letter had all three of them listed. I'm not sure. I'll know for sure when I get them. But we do have five copies to give away. That's cool. Excellent. So, all right, and and you will be eligible to win those as well. So, all right, all right, Charles, let's continue on with our birthdays. Okay, let's start off with William Smithers. He played Captain R.M. Merrick in the QS episode Bread and Circuses. Susan Powell played Marla Astor in the TNG episode Bonding. Pamela Adlon played Oji in TNG's episode Who Watches the Watchers. Very good episode when discussed on directed. Megan Par- uh, Parlin played young Rowan in this episode Rascal. When several of the crew members were turned into kids. Adorable. Adorable get, episode. And had to get and had to get there. I had to help save the ship. We also have Hannah. Patty, who played Molly O'Brien in TNT's Rascals also. And actually, that's the same one who played Molly in in DS9. So... That's right. Yep. Happy birthday to her. She looks a little older now. Instead of, we're seeing used to the same little girl. I always remember. A lot older now. I always she remember shows up. Sorry, go ahead. She shows up to conventions. She's one of the definitely pops in the conventions. Yeah, that I've heard that, that about her. Vegas. So cool. Yeah. Mario Quinn plays Admiral Pressman in his episode Pegasus. Bruce McGill plays Captain Braxton in Voyager's Relativity. And Tom. 
Admiral Thoreau and Discovery. So they're my birthdays, and Jim's got several good ones in his list. Oh, I've got I've got some real good ones here, and uh, the big one shares a date with another big one, which we'll get to in a minute. I'm going to make you guys wait. Of course, if you follow our Facebook page, you already know. But anyways, so first we want to say happy birthday to um, Greg Grunberg. And you guys are like, who's that? Well, Greg Grunberg, uh, actually, he he played Finnegan in Star Trek Beyond. He was the guy at the uh, controls. Uh, I guess you want to call it the controls uh, when the station was attacked. He was also the voice of Kirk's stepfather in Star Trek 2009 when Kirk lets the roof fly off the car and he says, you get back here with that car, blah, blah, blah. That was, that was his voice. So happy birthday to Greg Grumberg. We also want to say happy birthday to Lawrence Pressman, who played Leggett Gamar in DS9's episode Second Skin and Ties of Blood and Water. He also played the Krasinski Changeling in the DS9 episode The Adversary. Happy birthday to Lawrence Pressman. We'd like to say happy birthday to Marco Rodriguez, who played Captain Paul Rice in the TNG episode Arsenal of Freedom, and Glenn Tillet in the TNG episode The Wounded. Both excellent characters. I love that episode Arsenal of Freedom because that's the one where we thought Tasha Yar was going to die because Data throws her over a, over a log, and they pulled the old switcheroo on us, and she died in the next episode, Skin of Evil. <laughs> and... Uh, you guys might remember Captain Rice went to the academy with Riker, and Riker knew him, and he's leaning up against the tree, and he's trying to get information from his ship, and Riker, you guys remember the name that Riker gives for yeah. a ship? The good ship, Lollipop. Uh, the yeah. good ship, Lollipop. Yep. 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 I love that. So happy birthday to Marco Rodriguez. Uh, and here's an interesting one. We'd like to say happy birthday to Robert Pine who played Lyra in the Voyager episode, The Shoot, and Captain Tavin in the Enterprise episode, Fusion. He is also the real-life father of Chris Pine, Captain Kirk from the Kelvin universe, but I think most of us would know him as the captain from Chips. Dun, 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 dun. And uh, when I went out to Los Angeles, I uh, I ran into a Chips patrol, and I thought they made it all up for TV. And I felt like that scene in Star Trek Four where they're looking for the nuclear weapons, and I wanted to get a picture with the guy and everything else. I think he thought I was on drugs, but, you know, I was just some redneck hick from Vermont who never saw a Chips Patrol, so what can I tell you? Anyways. You know, I have to say, growing up in California, um, the CHP... Uh, got really annoyed when people came into town and wanted to take pictures with them. Yeah. It was one of, one of the like biggest it. complaints that they had, uh, but they learned to embrace it. And I think one of our mayor, uh, governors told them, it's like, listen, if people are coming to town and they look at you as a celebrity, go for it. It's only going to build our, our reputation up. Well, I was so backwards. I, I just thought it was a TV show. I had no idea that they actually were real and that they really rode motorcycles and they really dressed that way. I thought they just made it all up for TV. And uh, there I saw one on the side of the road, and I was like, oh, look, look, it's, it's a chip dude. And he wasn't very <laughs> impressed with me, but at any rate, I was just a tourist. That's what you get. 
So, anyways, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny voiced the, the Ferengi quip in the Lower Decks episode Envoys. However, I think everybody would know him from another voice, from another character that he does, because Tom Kenny does SpongeBob SquarePants. So happy birthday to Tom Kenny. The next one I have is one that everybody recognizes. When you see this guy's face, you recognize him. Happy birthday to Justin Scott, who played Joachman in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. It was an uncredited role, but I think that every fan knows him for that role, even though it was relatively small. But he's been in Star Trek more than that. He... um, he played in the Star Trek TNG episode Symbiosis as Sobe. He um, he was a drug dealer, actually. A, a pretty a snarky drug dealer, I might add. And he also played in the Voyager episode called Message in a Bottle as Commander Ricard. They tried to steal the USS Prometheus. And that's the episode where we get to see the holographic Doctor number two or I don't remember what his actual designation was, but it was a yeah, different holographic too. doctor yep. than, than yeah. the one we're used to seeing. Great well, snarkier. Even if it was yeah. possible to be snarkier, he was. He was. It was and, a great episode. And if great you don't episode. remember who Joaquin was, Joaquin was the guy who was next to Khan uh, in Star Trek Two, right? The like young kid with the blonde hair who also looks very good in that sort of... Um, <laughs> that sort of Star Trek II get-up that uh, Khan is wearing. He, he's the guy that told Khan, you know, we have Genesis, we have a starship, yep. let's leave. Get out of here. Khan was like, Khan's like oh, no! No, full speed ahead! That was it. <laughs> we must um, kill Khan. And the next, two, the next two I have are biggies. And uh, I don't know who to start with, but I'm going to start with Star Trek, of course. And it was Sir Patrick Stewart's birthday. And so uh, we want to say happy birthday to Sir Patrick Stewart. And he, of course, plays Captain James T. Kirk on Star Trek. <laughs> so happy birthday, uh, Jim. Patrick Stewart. Jim, the senile old what? man. He struck what? again. What? Jim, the senile <laughs> old man. Jim, who does he really play? Come on. The best? Okay. Well, at least I don't he know played... if he's the best, but he's the highest rated captain on our Facebook page of all time. Admiral Chekhov. He's <laughs> killing me. He's killing me. <laughs> he, he, of course, played Captain Jean-Luc Picard. You guys can catch him in Season 1 of Picard on Paramount Plus. Season 2 is right around the corner. So happy birthday to Stuart Patrick Stewart. But there's another birthday that I, I wanted to throw out there, and I was, wasn't going to, but then I realized they share a birthday. They're twins, I guess, in a way. So we also want to say happy birthday to Harrison Ford. Of course, Indiana Jones, Han Solo, Blade Runner. It goes on and on and on. And the fact that they shared a birthday I thought was a cool little twist. And Harrison Ford, of course, played some iconic heroes that I grew up admiring as a kid. So I wanted to say happy birthday to Harrison Ford as well. So that's our birthdays, guys, and now it's time to go to our Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. 
Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. All right, guys, we don't spread rumors on the show. We only spread facts. All the stories that we're about to talk about can be found in their entirety on our Facebook page. So please go and check them out if any of these stories interest you. The first story, it just broke. Uh, actually, I think it actually broke a couple of months ago, but more details are coming out about it. And that is WandaVision's Matt Shackman to direct 2023 Star Trek from Captain Marvel screenwriter. The Hollywood trades are reporting that Paramount has made a deal with director Matt Shackman to helm their next Star Trek feature film. This would be the top secret untitled project produced by J.J. Abrams reported on in April, which Paramount set for a June 9, 2023 release date. According to Deadline, the project is now moving at warp speed, with a script already written and plans to begin production in the spring. Shackman is an award-winning director for his extensive work on theater and television, including filming episodes of Six Feet Under, House, Game of Thrones, and Succession. His prose file has risen over the years for directing all nine episodes of the Disney Plus series WandaVision, for which he has been nominated for a DGA Award and an Emmy Award. Deadline is also reporting that the film is based on a script written by Geneva Robertson Dwart and Lindsay Beer. There are no details yet on how this Star Trek movie fits or doesn't fit with the Kelvin Universe or Prime Universe television shows and films. However, after the story came out, Deadline reporter Justin Kroll indicated that the film is written for the Kelvin crew, but but no deals are done yet for talent. Now, there's also another Star Trek film that's supposedly in the works that was written by the Star Trek Discovery writer. We talked about this, uh, I think it was last month or the month before. And I wanted to say that I'm getting a feeling, I think, and I want to talk to you guys my Trek experts about this, but I think that what we might be seeing going on at Paramount Plus is that we might actually see a Star Trek theatrical release movie, which could very well be this one, and then we could see a Star Trek movie on Paramount Plus, kind of like Hulu and Amazon does, like with The War for Tomorrow, which which was just on with Chris Pratt, where we might see movies that are produced solely to be shown on Paramount Plus. And that's why we're hearing we're hearing about two different Star Trek movie projects. One which they've specifically said is going to be June 9, 2023, and this other one which, you know, they we don't really have any information on other than a script had been accepted. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that that Paramount might be doing movies just for their streaming service? like they're going to do with Star Trek The Motion Picture? Or you think that, that they really actually are working on two separate movies? What do you, what do you think, Nate? Well, uh, honestly, there have been so many announcements for new Star Trek movies for the Kelvinverse and whatnot. Uh, I am of the mind of, well, we'll, we'll wait and see, if, because there's always announcements, but uh, never never any uh, never any follow through actually so uh, i will hold a wait and see attitude towards it what do you think what do you think I, eric 
Yeah, I, you know, I also am a little bit of the wait and see, but I, I think it's an interesting model to actually have uh, one that is exclusive to Paramount Plus. Um, I think what we are seeing right now is we are starting to see kind of a shift. Well, not starting. I guess a year ago when COVID hit, a year and a half ago, uh, we kind of started to see even more of a shift in the way that uh, movies and, and that sort of thing are delivered to us online. Uh, the fact that now these days, you know, movie theaters are open again, but uh, new movies are being released simultaneously in the theater and on online services. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to produce something that is just a perk for people who subscribe to your service. And, you know, if it's good enough and interesting enough and maybe has enough big names attached to it, maybe it pulls in a few more people, at least for at least for one month until <laughs> they see the movie. Yeah. Think Charles. Uh, quite a few, quite a few of the networks have had some of their own series, movies, or shows that they've run strictly from their platform. I'm all for times maybe them doing their own stuff. Great I think it's a good idea. Get, get some attention, get people on the network. Do you you know and, it's funny though it's a little like cyberpunky too because it's like the you know we already have all these giant corporations and now we have all these people there are these like singular what is there like four or five big services and you know certain ones will only deliver the things that we that 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 they're going to deliver and it's you know exclusive content to each one so it kind of keeps you invested in more than yeah. one of them which I think is what they want which is great yeah That's and what options. do you think David um, you you think it's a good um, idea David. Well, one, Paramount isn't nearly progressive enough to release something exclusively on the network. Um, unless we have uh, another major shutdown, they're going to release all their movies straight to the theater. They don't know how to do anything else but that. Okay. All right. Well, guys, listen, believe it or not, the show is half over. Uh, we're going to take a, another quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have a lot more Star Trek news to talk about, as well as Star Trek First Contact Dial. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing ship-to-ship tactical combat for the tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. We're doing Star Trek news, and for that, we're going to turn to Charles. Charles, what do you got for us? Oh, this is another one... I'm looking forward to, but 
I think this group knows I'm a big novel fan. Simon and Schuster has announced a new thrilling untold adventure tied to Star Trek Picard. And unlike the three tie-ins that preceded it, this new novel titled Twelfth Second will be set after the events of the first season of the show and presumably before the events of season two. Penned by our favorite author, Una McCormick, who wrote the well-received first high-end last says hope, this novel will focus on the character of Raffi. Following the explosive event seen in season one of Star Trek Picard, Raffi finds herself torn between returning to her old life as a Starfleet intelligence officer or something a little more changed, teaching at the Academy. Perhaps. Decision is made for her through, though when a message from an old contact, a Romulan spy is received, asking for a new aid. With the help of Rios and Dr. Girari, the assistant from Card, Rafi decides to take on this crucial mission and quickly learns the passion never stay buried. Find the truth to be complicated and deadly. There is no cover for the book yet, but it's set to release April 26, 2022, two days before my birthday. While not definite, this could be around the time season two arrives. You can pre-order sell, uh, Second Self now on Amazon hardcover or Kindle book. And I'm pretty sure with this series, it'll also be available in audio. Absolutely. And uh, Eric, what do you got for us tonight? Uh, well, this is great because this is a, a argument that I've had with people a few times, and uh, this is exactly the uh, side of the argument I fall on. Star Trek, the animated series, is absolutely canon, and here's why. Uh, Gene Roddenberry took a casual approach to canon. Jeff Ayers' Voyages of Imagination, the Star Trek fiction companion, quotes Paula Block, who oversaw Star Trek's license publishing operation, as saying that Roddenberry often decanonized certain episodes he decided didn't turn out the way they should have. Uh, there's a temptation to let it happen owing to the series' overall low quality and strictly for kids' tone. Uh, unfortunately, not only does it not apply regardless of Roddenberry's thoughts, but far too many of the details it establishes have become accepted canon. Attempting to cut it out simply isn't practical. The first and most obvious reason the animated series remains canonical is that most of the original cast returned to voice their characters again. That included series regulars like William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, and supporting actors like Roger C. Carmel, who returned to voice Harry Mudd, and Mark Leonard, who voiced Spock's father, Steric, for only the second time. Numerous other details originated in the animated series, such as Kirk's middle name of Tiberius, and Amanda Grayson's love of Alice in Wonderland, which played a vital role in the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Species like the cat-like Cations appeared for the first time, too, only to later reappear as Starfleet officers in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and with Dr. Tana on our new favorite, Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> Perhaps the most irrefutable canon moment in the animated series comes with Season 1, Episode 2, Yesteryear, a sequel to the legendary original series, uh, Season 1, Episode 28, 
city on the edge of forever. Penned by franchise stalwart DC Fontana, uh, she sends the ship back to the Guardian of Forever, where a mishap appears to erase Mr. Spock from existence. Spock has to return to his childhood to prevent his premature death. The animated series rarely tops anyone's favorite list, but there's nothing else in the franchise like it, and the details provided are essential to Star Trek uh, as any other series. Um, and I, I tend to agree with this. I think, you know, even for whatever you think about the quality of the animation or, or that sort of thing, you got to watch the animated series. There's so much great information in there, uh, including one of my favorites, the Infinite Vulcan. Uh, whatever happened to 50-foot Spock, sources uh, say we don't know. <laughs> and I want to know. <laughs> And don't forget, they, they, they did reference the Phylogians on Lower Decks. They absolutely did. And it's been great, like, with Lower Decks and uh, even, like they were saying, Discovery, kind of touching back to that. It's just, it's just like, lending, um, you know, validity to it. Uh, anybody who kind of scoffed at it before now has to kind of say, well, actually, you know, that does actually fit in with what we're seeing now. So I love it. It was, it Can was I- fun. Can I poke some holes in your in your uh, reference there? I'm not sure where where your reference is coming from, um, but uh, I I personally think it's the fifth. I, I treat it as the the fifth year of uh, or fourth and fifth years of the the mission. But uh, Memory Alpha says questionable the canon, um, but uh, and uh, here's the reason why they say it's questionable the canon. Um, Rodenberry uh, first officially removed it in 1988, according to Voyages of Imagination, um, with the exception of the parts involving Spock's youth from Fontana's episode yesteryear that you referred to. Um, Also, um, uh, it was, uh, this had been, okay, so, about yesteryear had been confirmed in a reference book by Michael Okuda uh, in his work Star Trek Chronology, uh, Star Trek Encyclopedia, and then Paramount Pictures, according to uh, Memory Alpha now, uh, has followed suit by elevating uh, Rodenberry's request to policy, having officially declared the series non-canon according to the Star Trek Encyclopedia first edition. However, uh, apparently it was formally re-added to official canon in 2006 um, by the franchise in order to commercially promote the occasion of the series' release to DVD that year. So uh, I just wanted to throw that at at you, Eric. (laughs) Cool. that's, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, so, that definitely. Uh, I mean, that actually fits right in with uh, with what the article was saying here. Was that Roddenberry was not a big fan of much of the animated series being considered canon, uh, and that he actually was a little embarrassed about it. And I think it's uh, because he didn't have as much influence on it as he wanted to. And so the fact that it was kind of later added back into canon, yes, uh, maybe as a promotional stunt, I guess the way that Memory Alpha sort of you know presents that information, but. The point is that it's not just the fact that it is officially canon. The point is that now other Star Trek is starting to reference it. And, um, and so it's kind of, you know, I, I guess 
what is that term when you sort of retroactively canonize something? There's a there's a term for that that I can't think of. Anyway, there's a bit of that going you on. Retcons stuff. Retcons, yeah, that's the word. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I can't. I I personally, you can't turn around and say, oh well, episode seven is canon, but the rest of it's not. I mean, and that's what Roddenberry was trying to do. He basically, and it makes sense. I mean, the man was in charge of it, so he was trying to cherry pick the ones that he liked and ignore the ones that he didn't like. And the fact is that, you know, when he put a season worth of television together, uh, it's all out there. And there are good episodes and there are bad episodes. It doesn't mean the bad ones didn't happen. Uh, And he was involved in the show. Everybody who was involved in, well, not everybody, a few different groups, but, you know, characters, voices, uh, his input, uh, you know, there was crossover. There was enough crossover to, I think, tie the two together for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. Fact, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, the article continues on. I'm not going to read anything, but it points out where in other Star Trek uh, uh, franchise stuff um, the TAS was referred to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah like so I'll link it to you guys so you can uh, read it at your leisure. Well, moving on here, guys, I just want to say that uh, Miko is going to be introducing 14-inch Star Trek action figures, which is pretty cool. Uh, The revived Miko Star Trek action figure line has been running strongly for a few years now, and after moving into the next generation and even into Star Trek Discovery and reaching outings, the company is now expanding, quite literally, into their next venture, 14-inch high versions of their retro original series lineup, revealed through the company's social media feed on MikoMuseum.com. Here are the first, the first three 14-inch figures coming to stores this summer. Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and the Gorn. Yeah, Not a very know. good Gorn. <laughs> uh, with each interchangeable hands and axe and accessories. The Spock figure will first be on hit store shelves later this summer. In the meantime, if you'd like to add these 14-inch figures to your collection, they're up for pre-order at Entertainment Earth now for $39.99 each. I got to get me a Gorn. And so, uh, Charles, you got another interesting story here. All right. First fact, why Discovery's grudge, pet, grudge the cat is so big. While the introduction of a new character like Book is exciting in and of itself, it's his cat grudge. And that's really got what fans said it. Pets are common enough occurrence in Trek. The last time the cat was featured the main character was Data's cat spot in Church Trek The Next Generation. So it's certainly exciting to see another fellow feline companion set up to become a recurring character in Church Trek. New York Times bestselling author Rob Perlman focuses on Church of Discoveries, Breakout Star, Drugs the Cat. Full of cat photos and whimsical illustrations, sharper than a claw and more stunning than a phaser blast, the book of grudge, the con director, features first take on everything from space travel to proper care and training of an array of alien species. Star Trek inspired quotes, haiku, meditations on Dredge's most favorite sitting, napping, and people. Get ready to live long and her as Book of Grudge delivered grudges, snarking, 
fought through space travel, replicators, the Federation, and the humanoid using counter-drug shepherds. Offers expert advice regarding the proper care and training of humanoids. There's even more catnip for fans, as the Book of Grudge features photos taken on set for Star Trek Discovery, as well as exclusive illustrations created especially for this book. Pre-order now. This book is available on November 9th, 2021. Awesome. Yeah. I'm 100% buying one of those for my mom. (laughs) I'm actually, I think I'm going to buy the physical book rather than the Kindle book because I I want to have the book. I'm a cat person. Actually, you want that on your coffee table. (laughs) No, don't invite him in, Jim. Don't invite him in. Hey, Jim. AJ is not here right now. That's you cannot good. invite the cat in. Oh no, <laughs> he's he's not here. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to to getting my my paws on that book. And uh, so Eric, you got the last story, and this when I saw this one, it had your name all over it because we've talked about this many times in the past. I saw this article, and I said Eric. So what do you got? What's what's our final story? Uh, Star Trek news about. This is one of my favorite little bits of trivia about Star Trek that I pull out uh, when I'm amongst uh, people who will appreciate it. All the actors that have played Spock. That's right, Mr. Spock is still the universe's most famous Vulcan. The character was introduced to fans in the very first episode of Star Trek, the original series, entitled The Man Trap. Spock was the only alien aboard the original Enterprise. His Vulcan logic served as a balance to Captain Kirk's emotional and sometimes impulsive nature. The character also served as the device to explore what it means to be human. The enduring interest in Spock and his story is evidenced by the fact that the character has been featured in multiple reimaginings of the Star Trek franchise. The character was revived for both J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movies and Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek television franchise. Since both of these reboots focused on younger versions of Spock, new actors took on the monumental task of becoming Spock. Here are all the actors that have played Spock in the Star Trek universe. And uh, you're going to want to keep count because there'll be a quiz at the end. Leonard Nimoy, the original Spock. For many Star Trek fans, Leonard Nimoy is the only Spock. Nimoy was the first actor to bring the character to life. Uh, He portrayed Spock in 80 episodes of TOS, 22 episodes of Star Trek The Animated Series, and two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Also, eight Star Trek movies. Nimoy had a complicated relationship with Spock, though. He wrote two books about portraying the character and his time in the Trekverse. The first was called I Am Not Spock, and the second was called I Am Spock, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, So he is, of course, our number one. Our number two is Zachary Quinto, the Kelvin Timeline Spock. When Abrams rebooted the Star Trek franchise in 2009, he needed to find a new actor to play Spock. Of course, finding the right actor to play such an iconic character was difficult, but Abrams was convinced that Quinto was the perfect choice. Quinto also revealed that when he was overwhelmed by the pressures of reimagining one of Trek's most famous characters, Nimoy was always there to support him and let him know that he was doing a great job. Ultimately, Nimoy was very pleased with Quinto's interpretation of Spock. That's number two. Number three, Ethan Peck, the modern Spock. 
Like the Kelvin timeline movie, Star Trek Discovery gave fans a different version of the Spock they once knew. Discovery's Spock was much more emotional. Uh, he had even more complicated relationship with his family, and he had a human foster sister. Uh, unlike Quinto, Peck didn't have the privilege of working directly with Nimoy to create his version of Spock, unfortunately. Nimoy passed away in 2015, long before Discovery aired. However, Peck did make sure to draw his inspiration from Nimoy's performances. So that's three. Now we've got the young Spock. Billy Simpson played young Spock in the animated series episode yesteryear. Carl Stevens, Vadia Potenza, Stephen Manley, and Joe W. Davis also portrayed Spock in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Jacob Kogan played a younger version of Spock in Abrams' first Star Trek movie. And Liam Hughes played Spock as a child in three episodes of Star Trek Discovery's second season. So if you add that all up, folks, how many people have played Spock? Were you paying attention? I think it was nine. Ten. So close. It is ten. It is ten. Oh, I was one off. <laughs> so there you go. Ten people have played Spock. Ten. That's a lot of Spock. A lot of Spock. All right, guys. A lot of Spock. We're going to talk about Star Trek First Contact, so start dialing 646. 646- Six six eight two four three three. We'd love to hear what you think about Star Trek First Contact. And to get us in the mood, here is the trailer. If I can get it, where did it go? There it is. In his nightmares, he can see them. In his mind, he can hear them. Accuses. In his soul. He can feel them. I've just received a report from Deep Space Five. Long-range sensors that pick Yes, I know. The morgue. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Now, in Earth's darkest hour, he must fight them again. Captain. Earth. Life size? Population approximately 9 billion. All Borg. How? Time travel. I went back and assimilated Earth. Changed history. I must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. But this time, they must travel to the past. April 4th, 2063. To save our future. You're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. They invade our space. And we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds. And we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here. Yeah. It looks like the control deck 26 up to 11. Mr. Daedra and I are returning to the ship. Don't let them touch you! Uh. Captain! Data! We must activate the auto-destruct sequence. You want to destroy the ship, by the way. You coward. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Let's rock and roll! Destroy them. Watch your future's end. Our shields and our weapons are gone. Resistance is futile. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Don't look slow on the damn ship. No! We are not going to lose the Enterprise. Not to the board, not while I'm in command. Star Trek. First contact. 
All right, Star Trek First Contact is a 1996 film directed by Jonathan Frakes in his motion picture directorial debut. It is the eighth film in the Star Trek film series, as well as the second to star the cast of TNG. First Contact was released on November 22, 1996, and was the highest-grossing film on its opening weekend. It eventually made $92 million in the United States and Canada, with an additional $54 million in other territories combining for a worldwide total of $146 million. Critical reception was mostly positive. Critics, including Robert Hebert, considered it to be one of the Star Trek films, and it was the most positively reviewed film in the franchise. 93% of the reviews were positive until being marginally surpassed with 94% by the 2009 reboot film. First Contact was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup and won three Saturn Awards. Jerry Goldsmith's scored First Contact, his third Star Trek feature. Goldsmith wrote a sweeping main title, which begins with Alexander Courage's Star Trek fanfare. Instead of composing a menacing theme to underscore the Borg, Goldsmith wrote a pastoral theme linked to humanity's hope. Uh, The themes used a four-note motif used in Goldsmith's Star Trek V, the Final Frontier score, which is used in First Contact as a friendship theme and general thematic link 1996 marked the 30th anniversary of the Star Trek franchise. The franchise was on rocky ground. Ratings due to Deep Space Nine and Voyager has shed millions of viewers, being bested by Hercules' The Legendary Journeys as the highest-rated syndicated TV series. First Contact was heavily marketed to an extent not seen since the release of Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979. Several novelizations of the film were written for different age groups, Playmates Toys produced six and nine-inch action figures, in addition to ship models and a phaser. Two making of television specials premiered on HBO and the Sci-Fi Channel, as well as being promoted during the 30th anniversary television special on UPN. Simon & Schuster Interactive developed a Borg-themed video game, and Macintosh and Windows Personal Computers released Star Trek Borg. So that's a brief history of Star Trek First Contact, and yeah, we have to cut for our final commercial break, guys, believe it or not, and when we come back, we had on our Facebook page, I always ask you guys as fans to rate the movie, so when we give our fan ratings, the fan ratings that we use on this show are directly straight from you guys. All the names that we list on the show, all the countries, all the cities that we tell you about, you are the guys that vote in our poll. And the numbers that we give you come right from you guys. So when we come back, we're going to hear from Eric, and he's going to tell us what you guys thought about Star Trek First Contact. So don't touch your dial. Don't run away. We're going to be right back after this very quick message. And uh, there it is. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And Eric, what do our fans on our Facebook page have to say about Star Trek First Contact? 
Well, fan Steve Albert says, uh, I give it a 10, one of the best. The opening battle scenes with the Defiant uh, is outstanding, but too short. Ugh, I totally agree with you, Steve. <laughs> it could have been so much cooler, but it was also really cool the way they did it. Uh, top fan Jesse Crawford says, 9.5. It's my third favorite Star Trek film, right behind Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country. Uh, Andreas Casares says, 10. Best TNG movie, second only to Walk, Wrath of Khan, of course. Top fan Bobby A. Bizet Jr. says, a 10. It's my favorite Trek movie. Greg Scott, 9.5 for me. It's near perfect. Griff Morgan, a good 8. The timelines of Worf and Defiant slash DS9 and Enterprise don't quite fit, in my humble opinion. Uh, Ryan Joseph gave it a 10 with three exclamation points. Sean Smith, 10. Favorite of the next-gen movies. Top fan Carl Humphrey, 10. James Robertson, 10. And uh, so it does not take a genius to uh, figure out that our fan score, when you sort of average all of those 10s out with a couple of things that aren't 10s, brings this movie in, I believe, at the highest that we've ever seen. Uh, this movie has a fan score of 9.7 on our Trek Talking page. Yeah, 9.7. Pretty, pretty good, pretty good. So, uh, David, since you're our, our guest today, why don't you start off and tell us what you thought about Star Trek First Contact, and do you agree with our fan rating of 9.7, and where would you put it? Actually, uh, First Contact is literally one of my uh, favorite Star Trek movies. I a famous saying, I don't like to nerd discriminate, um, but First Contact literally ranks up there one of the best movies um, in the Star Trek franchise. There was a portion in the movie where Alfie Woodard was talking to Sir Patrick Stewart, and they were quoting Moby Dick. And um, from the audience point of view, Alfie Woodard was saying that Captain Picard was like Captain Ahab and that he would do anything to uh, capture this white whale, and including destroy his ship and himself. And that was very poignant, but then I thought about it, and I was like, wait a minute, that's literally describing the boy Queen. He was Captain Ahab who risked it all to capture humanity, but end up losing it in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point. And I actually, upon reviewing this movie too, I was thinking a little bit about that. And, you know, there's that scene that you're talking about where she's talking to, to Picard, the Ahab scene, we'll call it. And, um, you know, I put it in the context of Star Trek Picard, where um, he has been accused of extreme hubris by many people. And we see him kind of lamenting some of the decisions that he's made throughout his life. And I love Star Trek First Contact. It's one of my favorite movies as well. And yet, is this not like the very definition of Picard just kind of saying, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do it the way that I think it should be done. And the only reason he gets away with it, the only reason he gets away with it is Data deactivates the self-destruct program on the Enterprise-E. Otherwise, he would have blown up another ship. 
And I'm not sure that would have been the right decision, despite the fact that that uh, wasn't the right decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, very interesting. I wonder how much he regrets this. It would be cool if Picard could come back and touch back to, you know, the decisions that he made in First Contact. That that's a great comment there, David. Yeah. Well, uh, David, what do you agree with the fans? Would you give it a nine point seven? Would you give it higher? Would you give it lower? Where would you put it? No, I think point seven is is it's a really great spot to be at. I mean, out of how many movies? Twelve? Um, to be ranked up there 13. above nine, under ten, thirteen movies, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. To have that kind of All right. scoring. And uh, well and again, Eric, we've already yeah. heard we've we've heard from you, Eric, but why don't why don't you tell us where you would put Star Trek first contact? Yeah, I've always put uh, first contact right up in my top two as well. I will tell you that I think the more times, I mean, I've seen this more than any of the other Star Trek movies for sure. And every time I watch it, it becomes a little bit more like a TNG episode to me, kind of the same way that, and I don't, I'm not blaspheming here, but in the same way that like insurrection is, um, I think that first contact could have been a like two part episode, one of those season enders, uh, like best of both worlds. So I don't know if it has the epicness to me of, like, the motion picture, which I have just really fallen in love with over the last couple of years, but it is still right up there. Uh, one of my favorites, amazing soundtrack, right? Uh, one of the best soundtracks. Um, so, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, I will go with a 9.3. 9.3. Excellent. How about you, Charles? Oh. I haven't decided which is my favorite of the two movies. I think it is probably one of the top ones in the TV series. I'll probably go with about a 9.5 in it. 9.5? That's, that's still pretty good. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about this recently. I feel like the motion picture gets a bum rap, so it, you know, on our all-time list, it's kind of down there a little bit. I think it deserves to be a little higher. But First Contact has so many good things going for it. I I wonder if it has aged well. Um, one of the things that I was kind of thinking about was just, like, all the scenes with the board queen and Data. And, um, you know, she is trying to kind of stimulate his... Uh, his uh, human humanity, I guess, with his emotion chip and kind of, you know, ex- uh, expose him to things that he's never been exposed to. Um, I felt like that kind of storyline for Data fit better back in the day when the movie came out. And I don't know as a one-off if it's like a really comparing, compelling story point, you know. This movie has the A and the B story. It's got what's going on in the Enterprise, and it's got what's uh, what's going on with everybody else and the the stuff that is on the Enterprise inevitably leads to kind of the board queen interaction, which by the way, nice to see her return. Um, I just like the the Picard board queen story a little bit better than the data board queen story myself. And what about you, Nate? Well, I just want to say uh, I don't <clears throat> that. Uh, you know, I've, I've, we've discussed these top movies before. Um, as far as the classics go, two and six 
are my top two movies. I would I would say that this I like Generations also. So I don't know if this uh, or Generations is higher for me with the Next Generation ones, but the, uh, both the Next Generation ones would still, in my opinion, be lower than my top two, again, uh, two and six being my top ones. Uh, another thing I want to say is that my favorite scene in this movie is when the Vulcans land and Zephyrin Co- Cochran sees them and pulls out a pistol and shoots the Vulcans. That's, that's my favorite scene in this movie. <laughs> Oh, my friend. Oh, my friend. Yes. I yes. thought that was um, Chekhov. And also to fall back on the discussion of uh, Captain Ahab, uh, I'm on Memory Alpha in the trivia section uh, of this, and um, it says here that uh, – of course, uh, he's, uh, he makes the, the Moby Dick quote, uh, but uh, apparently he also played, Patrick Stewart also played Captain Ahab in the 1998 uh, TV miniseries of uh, Moby Dick. So he en- ends up playing Captain Ahab uh, as well. So I uh, just wanted to, to also point that out. But, yes, favorite scene was Zephyr Cochran taking out the, uh, the Vultans. Well, I got to say that, that First Contact uh, is, is is one of my top Star Trek movies. Um, when we when we finish with all the movies, you guys you guys may have noticed we, we've been taking them out of order. Um, but when we when we get all the movies done, we will give you guys a complete list of where you guys, as our fans, have stacked these movies, and we'll 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 discuss it and we'll see if we agree with what you guys came up with. If we would shift them around a little bit. And how we would shift them, but um, because there's so many movies, and because it depends on the mood that I'm in at any given time, I tend to say, you know, my top three favorite movies, my least three favorite movies, and then everything in between. That's just the way I do it. Because sometimes, you know, what's the difference between your seventh favorite movie and your eighth favorite movie, really? So I just kind of my top three, my worst three, and everything else, and we'll get around to that soon, as soon as we get done with all the movies. But for me, First Contact is in my top three, for sure. And um, why? Well, because first of all, I, I think the soundtrack was phenomenal. It, it's a great soundtrack. Jerry Goldsmith does it again. He did it with the motion picture. He did it in Star Trek V, and he did it in this movie. Music is so important. Also, Worf. One of the fans was talking about Worf getting there. Um, and it didn't quite line up. I haven't I haven't looked at star dates or anything like that. But the fact that Worf was there with the Defiant battling the Borg, I could see Worf doing that. I could see Worf saying to Cisco, "Hey Ben, I'm taking off. I'm going to go battle the Borg," and just taking the Defiant and going. I completely buy Worf doing that. Now, why the crew on the Defiant was nameless, unknown people? Well, it's a movie, and they're not going to pay the main actors to show up for a little you know, brief cameo uh, in a movie. So I can, I can buy the fact that we didn't know any of the bridge crew. That's, that's cool. But the fact that the Defiant was there was awesome. And Worf, one of the greatest lines from Worf is, perhaps today is a good day to die. Prepare for revving speed. I love it. It's so Worf-like. For me, and, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, and then don't forget, Jim, my other favorite line, which is my, which trumps that one just a little tiny bit, was when, uh, you know, Riker says something about uh, tough little ship. And Morph's like, little. Nope. Just goes to, little. <laughs> just goes to show what kind of pride he has for the defiant. <laughs> he, he goes, you do remember how to fire phasers, don't you? Um, He's like, <laughs> I, I I like the for me I I find I find the interaction between Worf and and Picard to be really well written and well done because that relationship that they have I mean Picard was his chadich in Redemption and when Picard tells him that he he doesn't have honor and he wants to run away with like a coward and you could see like you know if this was any other man Worf would have killed him where he stood and that's true he would have. And, but the, but the apology is where right. you really see where he stands yeah. up. Yeah. And he's like, listen, you're not my commanding officer. Well, right. the, the best thing about that apology that Picard makes is, and this is kind of one thing that I think everybody could learn a little bit from when they watch this movie, is just like eventually Picard is like, listen, Worf, I totally regret what I said to you, right? He admits that he was wrong. He's like, I regret what I said. You are one of the most honorable, one of the bravest men I actually know. And it just is Picard acknowledging that everybody says stupid stuff in the heat of the moment every once in a while. And as long as you are, like, self-reflective enough to kind of go back and say, hey, hey, actually, you know, I didn't do that the way that maybe I should have. I'm going to go back and mention it to the person again and repair that relationship. Don't leave it silent. Bring it up again. Learn from Picard. <laughs> well, like when he says, he says, actually, Mr. Worf, I regret some of the things I said earlier. And Worf says, some? Some, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some? I mean, they had to throw a little humor in there, too. But <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I'm a huge Worf fan, and I really like the way they got Worf on the ship and the way he interacted with everybody. I really liked that. I thought that um, the whole thing with the Borg Queen, remember, we never, we didn't know there was a Borg Queen. The Borg Queen was introduced in this movie, and she in, was introduced with that awesome scene where she dangles from the ceiling on those Borg tentacles or whatever they were, and she's only half a body with a, with a, uh, with a spine dangling, and she lowers down into the board queen body. That was phenomenal at the time. That was mind blowing. And to find out that, you know, Picard says when he was the cutest, he goes, Oh, you, you were always there in the background. We never saw her. And so Picard says, well, you know, you were always there in the background. I always knew you were there. And now we get to see her. And as, as Eric said, she comes back again and again and again on Voyager, but this was the first time we saw her. And I thought that was a great introduction, you know, to the board, you know, that now they have a queen, like a beehive. And I thought that was, was awesome. Right. The space battle at the beginning was short, but, but look at all the ships that we saw in that. We, you know, we saw the steam runner, the, the thunder child, the defiant was there. It was, it was short, but it got the point across, you know, I thought that was really awesome. And one of the best things I think about first contact is it sets up, one of, in my opinion, one of the best episodes of Star Trek Enterprise in Regeneration. And when Picard shoots down the Borg sphere, it crashes on Earth, and it's never heard from again. Or was it? Because on Star Trek Enterprise, they find the Borg sphere crashed, and then hence we yeah. have that whole, that whole thing, which I thought was really good. 
I thought that um, was a beautiful time with Enterprise because a lot of people kind of separated Enterprise from Trek lore because it happened so early on. Um, but that tie-in to the board and to the movie was very skillfully done. Yeah, I, 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 people that don't watch Enterprise, didn't watch it, won't give it a chance because they didn't like the theme song or for whatever reason. You've heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it again right now. If you've never watched it and you're going to watch one episode, watch Regeneration. It's, it's a really well-done episode. And what makes it unique is that the actual the Enterprise crew doesn't show up until 19 minutes into a 43-minute episode. So let that sink in, okay? Um, it's, it's that well done. It's, it's just an excellent episode. I highly recommend it. So, you know, there's that as well. And Picard dealing with what the board did to him, you guys were talking about the Ahab and Lily and why he was acting the way he was. And there's a line he says, Seven of Nine, later on on Picard, where, where Seven says to him, you know, did you ever get your humanity back? And uh, he says something like, you know, almost or not quite. I, I'd have to go back and rewatch it again. But he makes some type of comment where he's still trying to regain his humanity. Right. Just like he makes a mention that he's um, still fighting against the Borg influence in some way. Right. He's trying to be human. And I think that that him wanting to blow up the ship, I think he's so hate filled and he wants revenge so bad against the Borg for what they did to him, what they made him do to all those Starfleet officers that he can't see the forest for the trees. And I think that that plays in really good to the problems, how we see him dealing with it when he goes on the board cube later on and starts it. I should have said spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm Ooh. sorry. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So overall, I, I would, I'm with the fans. I would give Star Trek uh, first contact a 9.7. Um, there's just so much good stuff going on in that movie. Um, yeah, like Nate said, when when Zephyr Cochran blows away the Vulcan, that was awesome. What? You, know. <laughs> you guys, we're gonna Being get, right. We're, we're going to get mail <laughs> if we don't correct this on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was just, in, you know, everybody, the part where Barkley runs up to Zephyr Cochran, and, you know, he's just talking to him, and everybody wants to meet the great Zephyr Cochran, and and uh, he's his hero, but we're meeting the hero before he actually becomes a hero. And he's not quite the man that history remembers him as because he actually hasn't done the things that make him the man that he will become later. Um, even Jordy yeah. gets sucked into it when he mentions his statue, um, which, which was great. And one yeah. of my favorite scenes in the movie I think Jonathan Frakes just did a phenomenal job directing this movie all the way around. One of my favorite scenes is when they're in the bar and, and Deanna Troy is in there drinking. She says, I had to take 10 shots of something called tequila just to find out he was the man we're looking for. And uh, he says, I think you're totally blended. And she says, don't tell me how to do my job. And she passes <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. And then Zephram Cochran walks over and cranks up the the, the, the uh, jukebox, and Riker just kind of puts his hand on his head like, oh, my God, what, what am I going to do? That whole scene, I thought, was just 
wonderfully written, wonderfully acted. And overall, uh, we have no time to talk about time. Yeah, we don't have the time to talk about time. It was it was a great scene, and overall, I I just I love this movie. And uh, as a little sidebar, when this movie came out in 1996, um, me as a Klingon, of course, my wife was just a Starfleet officer, and a friend of ours was what did he dress up as? I don't remember. There were three of us, and uh, we went to the movie theater and. it, it, like they said, it was right around, it was November. So we went and we rang the bell for the Salvation Army in front of the movie theater. And our bucket in front of the movie theater with us as Klingons and Federation officers raised more money on the opening night of Star Trek than they did in any of the other buckets they had out that night, which was really cool. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, we ended up on the front page of the paper, and it was, it was a blast. So I have a lot of good memories surrounding this movie, and I agree. 9.7. It's it's a really good movie, a lot of fun. And you know, Jim. Right, Jim McKee, oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. Uh, I just uh, speaking of Klingons and wives, I'm going to have to depart. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your show. I had a really great time. I would love to do this again. Um, I wish you guys a great evening, and thank you so much. Well, thank you for calling, David. Thank you for giving away those tickets to Nate. And now I get a chance to meet Nate at, at Star Trek Las Vegas, or I'm sorry, the 55-year mission in Las Vegas. So thank you very much, David, for coming on. You're always welcome, and have a great night. Kapla. Kapla. Thank you, David. <laughs> See you soon. So uh, I just want to let you guys know we're, we're just about running out of time. Uh, just a reminder, next week we're going to have Jeremy Roberts, Mr. Dimitri Valtain from Star Trek Six. And a Voyager flashback, which was the 25th anniversary, one of the 25th anniversary episodes. The other one was Trials and Tribulations on Deep Space Nine. Um, he's going to be with us live, so you guys can call. You can ask him questions. You can talk to him. Our phone number is 646-668-2433. And we're also going to be giving away copies of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Now, I'm not sure the email they sent me, mentions the steel box editions of the blu-ray i'm not sure exactly what they're going to be sending me but we are going to have five copies and you can win them for free and i have to read read this for you guys on the air live one more time uh star trek discovery season three is coming to blu-ray dvd and limited edition steel book the must-have collection features all 13 episodes and also includes over two hours of special features including deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes featurettes, cast interviews, and a gag reel. Own Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Blu-ray and DVD now from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment. Actually, you can't own it until next week, but you can call here and you can pick up a copy. So please do that. Put us on your speed dial. Give us a call. Talk to Jeremy and win a copy of Star Trek discovery season three and hopefully we can make this work and we can have more stuff to give away to you guys in the future so i'm counting on you guys to call next week and make this a one of our best shows ever and yes nate you can call and win so isn't that cool yeah it is cool (laughs) (laughs) so anyways i just want to say thank you to david for calling in and hanging out with us and for given us a pair of tickets to give away to the Star Trek Las Vegas 55-year mission. Thank you so much, David. And I also want to say thank you to Nate for calling tonight, winning some tickets to Star Trek 
uh, 55-year mission in Las Vegas, and hanging out with us and talking about Star Trek First Contact. Thank you, Nate. That was a good time. Thanks. I also want to say thank you to the one and only birthday boy himself, Eric, for hanging out tonight and Trek talking with us. Thank you, and happy birthday, Eric. Thank you guys so much. I had a blast as always. And I also want to say thank you last, but definitely not least, to my right-hand man who's manning out there in Las Vegas, and I'm going to be getting an opportunity to meet him at the 55-year mission. And, of course, I'm talking about Sub-Commander Charles. So thank you so much for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, Charles. Oh, thank you. It's always fun. It, It is a lot of fun. It is indeed. I want to let you guys know that in addition to uh Jeremy Roberts being with us next week and your opportunity to win Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Our next show after that on the 29th, we're going to be doing a book nook. And we're going to be talking about Una McCormick's book, Wonderland. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Please visit us on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow, tell us where you're listening from so I can get you on a future fan shout out. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Thank you for joining us. Hailing frequency are closed. Good night, everybody. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.